It's a terrible description of a culture, a world of abortion and infanticide, sexual confusion and promiscuity, the abuse of power and the exploitation of the poor, and all of it being so pervasive that it is well tolerated. Yet, this is the Roman culture into which Christianity was born some 2,000 years ago. I remember in grade school thinking that, hearing this description of the Roman Empire and saying, thank goodness we've evolved since, past all that since then. But a short time later, here we are in a culture heading right back into much the same thing. That description of the Roman Empire could be discerned from your newsfeed today concerning ourselves. And it was the world into which Christ was born. We shouldn't be deluded into thinking that where people were more holy and more open back then. Culture was in a terrible way and rather inhuman in many respects. Then over the intervening centuries, as a culture, we looked down upon and made illegal abortion and infanticide. We developed more fair court systems and we take care of the poor. As Archbishop Chaput points out in his book, Strangers in a Strange Land, historians of the Roman period, such as Peter Brown, have noted that the impulse to take care of the poor was utterly new to them. All this has developed over time, the taking care of the poor the, and, and, giving, and giving dignity and rights to people. And when did it start? With the birth of Jesus and the example that he gave us today. Did he sit in a room with his 12 disciples being protected from all outside influences? No, because if he had, he would have been exceedingly uninteresting, ineffective, and somewhat less inspiring to his disciples and to us today. But today we hear he went out into the desert and the desert was not just the desert, it was considered the abode of the devil where awful things happen. And he went out there to confront the devil on his own turf. And he faced a number of reasonable temptations, much like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. The devil comes to him and says, you're hungry? It's been 40 days and you have the power to turn stones into bread. Why not do it? Break your promise fast. And Christ refuses even in his weakened condition. Throw yourself down, Satan tempts him and that the angels catch you to prove who you are. But Christ said he would not allow himself to be instructed by the devil on what he should do. The devil offers him the world if he would just bow down to him. And after all, isn't that why Jesus came? This would seem an efficient and easy way to go about it rather than waiting to go through his passion and die on the cross. But if it was really going to be that much easier, would the devil have offered it? It sounds too good to be true. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Winning something by cooperation with the devil or with evil is not a win. It's a missing of the mark. Jesus just didn't want the world. He wanted the healing of our souls and he wanted to destroy death itself. By being true to his identity and his father and his mission, 
He goes out and starts transforming the world, pushing back the powers of death and destruction and keeping evil at bay. The problem is, in this world at least, keeping sin at bay is a lot like dusting or mowing the lawn. Once you, start dust, once you finish dusting or mowing, the dust is already starting to settle again and the grass has already start to grow again. It's the constant calling of the homeowner to dust and mow, dust and mow, dust and mow. And if you don't do it for three months, things start getting pretty hairy. Similarly, we find ourselves generally in a culture that tends to want to return to former, less developed, less benevolent times. If we don't want to go back fully to these less civil times, it becomes every bit our duty to go out and dust and mow, dust and mow our culture, to fight for a more humanitarian society daily, and to do what we can to push back the ancient tide from coming back in, to make life more of the more vulnerable possible, to allow the most people to have the most dignity they can have and to live in freedom and to bring right order and living to our culture once again. The place to do that is not inside this building. Our goal as Catholics is not simply to come to Mass. It is rather to come to Mass and pass through it and be sent out on mission, like Christ going out into the, into the desert to be tempted by the devil, to stand strong and to push back all that is harmful to human dignity. We need this place to strengthen us, to guide us, and to form us. But the place to begin the pushing back is out there, to be an influence upon our culture, not an object of influence. We have the example in our day and around our world of what happens when a culture is placed on autopilot. It's the same thing that happens whenever there's a power vacuum. It is not your best and brightest and holiest that rise to the top and to power but those who see an opening for their own agendas and take full advantage of it. I know it's a very scary thing to be chosen, to be the one to be sent out there to change the world. The biggest thing we have to fear, as it is said, is fear itself. And you're gonna go out there and you may, may make some huge blunders, mistakes, but most of the time you won't. And it's certainly better than doing nothing. If people had done nothing in the past, where would we be now? The culture of the Roman Empire would have never changed. I was thinking of this when I was a little kid, a very little kid, and they started the whole campaign against smoking, get people to stop smoking. And I remember thinking, there is no way you're ever going to entirely get rid of smoking. It's just too much a part of our culture and too many people are making too much money. And then not too long ago, well, maybe it was long ago, about a decade and a half ago, I go down to Mexico. And I'm in Mexico and people are smoking everywhere like they used to do in the United States, on the bars, on the buses, out on the street. And I thought, well, maybe. Just maybe you'll get rid of smoking in the United States, but in Mexico, there is no way. Then I went back a few years later and they had the exact same signs we had up in the United States everywhere. No smoking, no smoking, no smoking. And now years later, there is nowhere you can legally smoke in public on this property. 
shocking and amazing. Changing of a culture can be done. The reason they were able to put up with it, they were able to do it before is because they were a people who had put up with a lot of abuse. They had to face false science and accusations, pressure and anger, and now smoking is largely gone, right? So it can be done. And it is a scary thing to be the chosen instrument because of your baptism to help bring this about in your home, on your street, in this city, in the place that you work, and in our culture. Because if you're not going to do it, who will do it? Who else on your street is going to do it? Who else at your work is going to do it? And I will tell you right now, you risk being made fun of in a very really real way and being alienated and accused of not being progressive, even if in reality is from someone wanting to return to a culture back 2,000 years ago. But the alternative is worse, to allow us to return to those darker ways of living and to present a world to our children that will be more difficult to baptize than the one we inherited.